Lord, and we can touch anything and ask, and it shall be done. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that power and the authority that you have given us. So, Lord, we come in a time of agreement, Lord, and we thank you, and we ask. Your word says you have not because you ask not. So, God, we ask, Lord, for healing. Lord, we ask for those, Lord, who are here right now, God, who are... Uh, they have afflictions, God. They have injuries, Lord. There's a lot of folks, Lord, who aren't able to get into the hospitals right now um, because they haven't been termed a necessary surgery. Lord, there's people who have knee injuries, back injuries, other all kinds of injuries and, and medical procedures that need to be done. I ask, Lord, right now that, that, Lord, you would begin to touch those people. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are alive and active. We thank you, Lord, that you are our Savior. You are our baptizer. You are our healer. You are our soon-coming king. So, Lord, we ask, Lord, for your touch right now. Those under the sound of my voice, those who are sitting in, a, in your uh, apartment building up on the hill, if you can hear me. If you need a touch from the Lord, reach out and call upon his name, and he will touch you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for those, Lord, who are struggling today. Lord, with, in their soul realm, in their mind, their will, their emotions. Lord, we know that locking people up in their homes for long periods of time isn't going to be good for those things. Those who are struggling, Lord, with mental health, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would touch them. Lord, we ask that, Lord, that the per capita number would change for suicide in this county. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the resurrection and the life. And, Lord, we declare life over this county. And, Lord, we bind the spirit of suicide. And Lord, we thank you that you are our hope. And there is no other hope outside of you, Jesus. We thank you for being our hope. Lord, we ask for those, Lord, who are dealing and struggling, Lord, with all kinds of uh, issues, Lord, and being fear-driven. Lord, we bind the spirit of fear. We thank you that you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. So we bind fear in the name of Jesus. Your word says that everything bows in the name of Jesus. All things of the heavens, all things of earth, and all demonic things under the earth. So fear bow in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for peace. Jesus, you came to this earth and you said, you overcame the world and your peace you leave with us. So Lord, we receive it and we walk in your peace. We thank you that perfect peace and perfect love casts out all fear. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us perfectly. We thank you for being love. We thank you for being light. There's no darkness in you. We thank you for being the light of the world. We thank you, Lord, that we knew where to run, Lord, when we saw the light, the hope of glory. We thank you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you live in each one of us that know you. And we have the hope of glory in us. And we have the light of the world in us. And we have a beautiful opportunity in these dark times to be light to this world. We thank you for the opportunity that we have. We thank you for the times that we're in. We don't curse the day that we're in. We thank you that we have an opportunity to be a blessing to this earth, to be the salt of the world. And Lord, we want to make people thirsty for you, Jesus, because you are the living water. And if we drink of you, we will never thirst again. We thank you. Shout a praise if that's true. Amen. Amen. Man, we might have to get some horns in the church when this stops. I kind of like these horns blowing. <laughs> uh, it, it, I guess it could get old probably in the church, so don't get carried away. Don't be bringing your horns. <laughs> oh. Well, for those of you who have been following along uh, the New Life family, I'm going to continue on the second part of the message that says, it's, uh, we've been, those of you who aren't from the New Life family, we've been uh, going through the Sermon on the Mount, and it uh, starts in Matthew chapter 5 and carries through Matthew chapter 7, and we're about closing up the Sermon on the Mount. Um, last week we started the message saying, Lord, doesn't mean He is Lord. And this is... Um, well, it's not one of your normal pastoral encouraging words, but it is a very loving word. Um, I, I had shared many tears and uh, just thinking earlier during worship. Thank you, worship team. You guys killed it. You guys are awesome. 
If you didn't enter into the presence of the Lord during worship, I don't know if you're alive. <laughs> we might need to pray for resurrection, but I know I did. And, and as I was looking up into the heavens and thinking about the message, I began to weep again that there's so many people who don't experience and don't know and feel the love of God. He isn't their Lord. He doesn't, you, they don't have that relationship that we have, that we can call upon His name and, in, and in, inhabit the pra- His praise. When we, he inhabits the praise of His people. So when we begin to praise Him, we feel His presence. We feel that connection. We're close. And there's so many people that don't. And that breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that this, His message, and it broke Jesus' heart in Matthew 7, 21-23, that He said, Not everyone who calls out to Me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. It breaks my heart, church, that there's a judgment day coming. And Jesus said on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, Probably the three saddest words. I never knew you. Never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. I'm going to recap the, the introduction last week. There's a great difference between saying it and, be, and it being so. There's a great difference between saying, Lord, and Him being Lord. Jesus is wanting that message to get across. It's a big difference, many of us know, to say something and do something. The Holy Spirit's the one who brings the appearance and the reality into one in us. It's through the Holy Spirit that the appearance and the reality (laughs) come together. It's through that. It's through His power in us. He does in us what Jesus did for us. It's through that work. The Holy Spirit does in us what Jesus has done for us, and He does it through us. The Word never asked us to believe the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, believe in me. But the Word never asks us to believe in the Holy Spirit. The Word asks us to receive Him. He makes the appearance and the reality the same thing. See, it's not enough just to say it. You have to take action of receiving Him. Receiving is an action. We know that the most popular verse is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him might not perish but have everlasting life. God gave us the gift, His Son, and it's up to us to receive Him. You can say, I believe it. I believe God sent His Son. I remember telling my mom many, many years ago when I was looking like I was going to be going to prison for quite some time. And she said, well, well son, God could do a miracle. And I said, Mom, God can do many things. I, I do believe that God created the heavens and the earth, I told her. But there isn't anything He can do about this. See, I believed in God. I believed that God was the creator of the heavens and the earth, but I didn't know Him as Lord. He wasn't Lord of my life. See, the Holy Spirit works in our salvation. And we must work it out. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The Holy Spirit works it in, but we must work it out. We can obey what He works in us, or we can disobey it. We can be a believer and obey what He works in us, or disobey what He works in us. If we could not disobey God, our obedience to God would mean absolutely nothing. See, a lot of people think, well, then why did God give us that? God has given us free will. He has given us the ability. It started in the garden. He gave us the option, the ability to be able to choose, to trust in what He has done for us, to trust in what He has said, and trust in what his knowledge is, or we could choose to follow the lie of the devil and, and believe that we weren't already like God. The word said we were already created in his image. 
But the devil said, you can be like God. Here, take this fruit. And your understanding will be open. So we disobeyed. Man disobeyed and took of that fruit. We still have that freedom today to choose to obey what the Lord speaks into us and works into us, or we can disobey it. And we're disobeying the Holy Spirit when He speaks to us. If, he's, if He tells us or he encourages us to move in, in one way or another to go help somebody, we'll just use that as an example. And we go, well, I don't really have time. Well, that doesn't really fit into my schedule. That might cost me some, fin- some finances. We're disobeying the Holy Spirit. Because I know it's not in my natural ability and it's not in my normal nature. All of our natures are sinful. It's not our natural nature to, to, to give of ourselves. It's not of our natural nature to lay down our life for someone else. That comes from the Lord. So we have to submit and allow the Holy Spirit to live in us and through us. Amen? Headlights? No, no headlights. (laughs) That wasn't as good as I thought. (laughs) He's given us that ability to disobey. God's grace... Salvation puts into us the ability to obey. Aren't you grateful for His grace? God's grace puts in us the desire and the ability to obey or to not sin. You say, what are you saying, Pastor? We, we, we have the ability to not sin? Outside of Christ, you have no hope in that. It is natural to continue in sin outside of Christ. It's your natural nature. But when you become... And Christ comes in you, and the Holy Spirit dwells and lives in you. You get a new nature. 2 Corinthians, easy for me to say, 5.17 says, Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So there's a new nature in us. And it's a divine nature. Come on, someone. There's a divine nature inside of us. And that divine nature, there's no sin in Jesus. There's no sin in Him. He never sinned. So if he's living in us and empowering us, that means we have a new nature that it's natural for that new nature to not want to sin. We have to go against that nature. Can we? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Do we? Yes, we can. Does it bring conviction to our hearts? You bet it does. And the fact that it brings conviction conviction shows us and tells us we have a new nature. Because before he lived in us, we, didn't, we weren't convicted of sinning. I know this is a yay, yay, rah, rah message. It truly is because Jesus is so awesome that he conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered grave. He conquered the death sentence that every single one of us deserved and earned and gave us a new hope and a new life. And inside of that new life, we can conquer death, hell, and the grave. And we are free from the power of sin and death. Amen. So that's good news. But I'm here to tell you, with every bit of good news, there's some bad news. The bad news is, is that one of these days, if you don't know Jesus, and He's not the Lord of your life, you're going to be left. It's not my words, it's His. He says, not everyone... Last week's first point, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. That's sad, but that's the truth. Last week, point two was on judgment day. Many will say, Lord, Lord, we performed works. And we covered that extensively. A lot of the church today and a lot of the church then, the Pharisees were very works oriented. They did all these things, and they brought those works to Jesus and said, hey, we prophesied, and people are going to say that. We prophesied in your name. That means they spoke the word. You know what? God honors His word because His word is true, and His word never returns void. But just because someone God honors His word doesn't mean every single person that speaks His word is called to be speaking that or has an anointing on their life or even is uh, right with Him. His word will still be profitable because his word is always profitable. But just because someone like myself stands up and preaches the word doesn't mean that they're right with him. Shocker. That's a fact. That's the truth. We, we covered a few weeks back. How do we know? Jesus said in the last day there will be many false prophets that will come. So how do we know 
if they're true or if they're false. It says the fruit. You should know the fruit. The tree by its fruit. It says not to judge a tree, but to know a tree by its fruit. So we look at the fruit of our lives, we look at the fruit of others' lives, and we can see, is that an apple tree? Well, yes, because why? It produces apples. Is that an orange tree? Yeah, it's an orange tree. Are you sure? Yep, it's an orange tree. Are you positive? Because it looks like there's apples on that tree. Nope, it's an orange tree. We would say, no, you're wrong. Right? Same thing with the fruit. You know a tree by its fruit. We talked about there's a big difference between being an instrument of God and being a servant of God. God will use people. God can use people as instruments. The difference between an instrument and a servant is an instrument likes to hear itself. Trumpeting out. A servant lays down his life for someone else. So we, just because someone is trumpeting or just because God is using somebody, it could be the drums. And I was a drummer, I shared last week. I can beat on those drums and make a lot of noise and get a lot of attention. Or I can be a servant on those drums and blend with everyone else and glorify God. And God gets the glory, not the guy beating on the drums. Because a lot of people are going to say, Lord, we performed works. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Those are horrible words to hear. They're actually horrible words to say. That is something, if you're a pastor or you're someone that's in ministry, even a Christian, that should just give you chills. People are going to hear those words. It's my third point, and it's the last point. Depart from me, I never knew you. That part of Scripture opens up and says, then I will confess, or Jesus says, but I will reply. That word in the Greek is homologeso. It means to declare openly, to confess. It's a legal concept often used in connection with trials or judgment. When Jesus says, then I will confess, or but I will reply, they, they said, I've done all these things. This is a legal term, and he's using it to bring confession. That's one of my nieces. That's awesome. <laughs> the phrase, I never knew you, was used by rabbis in excommunication ceremonies. Man, those are, those are horrible words. This is a, it's a legal binding declaration. It's the truth. And it's, an excommunic it's used in excommunication ceremonies with rabbis. Jesus is saying in these words, depart from me, I never knew you. He was in response to those who were saying, we did all these works in your name. So he will say to some Bible teachers, it's so sad. He will say to some Bible teachers, he will say to some pastors, he will say, to some prophetic students, to some prophets, he will say to those, to some who've worked miracles, depart from me, you who work iniquity. Now that word iniquity is a powerful word. Its definition is to twist something that was straight. It's to twist something that was straight. So what does that look like? See, in this day and age that we're in, there's a lot of people who proclaim the gospel. There's a lot of people who say they've spoken out and give prophecies in God's name. They've laid hands on people. And there's a reality to that. There's a reality. I have a niece who was on uh, life support early this week. And we got to go and, and she was in a medically induced coma on life support. They told her mom, we're only going to let you in the room if, we, if it looks like she's not going to make it because of the COVID-19 break. They're not letting anyone in the hospitals. I had surgery a month ago and my wife couldn't come in. It, you're in your room by yourself. So that was the word they gave the family. Well, Monday they, they gave the word to the mom to come in and you could be with your daughter. So her grandma called me begging to go lay hands and pray over her granddaughter. And if I'm being honest, which I'm being honest, I'm, I'll pull the covers on myself. I wasn't excited to go. 
There's a lot of other things going on. And, and in my mind, I was like, she's probably dying. And God's able to speak to her. I said, what am I going to do? God's able to speak to her, and God can tell her to come to the light. God can tell her, and she's known the Lord in the past. He can speak to her. And then the, the Lord said, you need to go. And on the way, he really changed my attitude and heart. And I got there, and they said, well, we're, you can't go in. And I said, I understand. But um, there's a grandma who really, really wants to have me pray for her, her granddaughter. And um, this whole miracle happened. They let me go in. And I got to pray with her. And I hope you hear me. I, I don't have the power to heal nobody. Jesus does that. I am not nobody special. Every single believer, if we believe, has that ability to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So I was, I was an, an opportunity. I was got to be like the pizza delivery guy that got to deliver something to somebody. I didn't make the pizza, and I don't know how the pizza's made, but I just got to deliver it. I delivered something to her, and her mom, as we prayed, watched her temperature drop. She had had had, had 107-degree temperature. It was down to around the 105, 104-degree temperature, and while we were praying, it dropped three degrees. Now, she didn't come off life support right then and there. She didn't get up and, and run around and jump hallelujah. But today, she's off life support. Today, she's not in a coma, and she's responding. So there's a reality to that. We've seen people in this congregation healed. I've seen quite a few people healed. Not as much as I, was, I would like. I wish, I wish there was like this certain prayer and you just prayed it this certain way and every time you did it, they got healed. I don't know that one. I don't know that one. If I did, I would be doing it every single day and I'd write it out and we'd give it to everybody. But I know that God says that we're supposed to believe and we're supposed to lay hands on the sick and he says, and they shall recover. So that's what we do. And the healing is stuff. I call it the healing stuff, the good stuff, the God stuff. That's his stuff. So we still do that, but there's, there's people who twist those things. There's people that do those things so that they get glory. There's people that legitimately can perform a miracle. We see even there's dem demonic power. We see it in Pharaoh's day that there was these sorcerers, and they threw, when Moses threw down his staff, it turned into a snake. The sorcerers did the same thing. But Moses' staff, our God's greater, ate the other snakes. So I like Moses' staff, Amen. God's power is the most powerful. So there's a reality to, to this. And, and when Jesus is saying there, there's going to be some who preach the word out of ill motives. Paul said that. He didn't say to quit preaching the word. He didn't tell them to stop. Even though they had ill motives to try to bring him pain, he knew God's word so powerful that even if a fool, even if someone that, I mean, I shared last week, there's drunk people who can, who can use the word of God and say the word of God because it's true and it's effective. I'm not saying you need to get drunk to be a minister or that that's the best formula to use, but it's his word so powerful that there's still fruit from that. It's not his ideal, but God's so good that he uses fallible people just like me. He's going to say to some Bible teachers, some prophetic students, some who work miracles, this is awful, depart from me, you who work iniquity. Those who twist out of the straight. Those people that have twisted the ways of God and made them unequal. There's, there's people that take the message of the gospel and they're twisting it and they're using it for their own benefit, to receive their own glory, to receive a kingdom of their own instead of for glorifying the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they're going to stand before the Lord someday. And I'm not judging them. I just see the fruit. They're going to stand before the Lord and if they don't repent... They're going to hear those words because it says, many will say, we did these things in your name. And he's going to respond, depart from me. I never knew you. Now let's look at, I never knew you. What does that mean? I never knew you. It means this, you spoke the truth and God honored it, but we're never the truth. You spoke the truth, but you were never the truth. That's harsh. 
You've taken this, the truth and, and it's been twisted. We all have an ability to twist things. And people don't need to see us, the truth, twisted. They need to see Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. They need to see Christ in us, not twisted, not perverted like the devil does. He takes things and he perverts them and he twists them. We, we don't need to help him in that. We need to be the way, the truth, and the life, just like Jesus is. We need to untwist those things in our life. We need to, when, the, when the Holy Spirit puts his hand on those things that are twisted and says, you need to straighten those things out, we submit to that. And we say, yes, Lord, you are right. Amen? If we don't, you may hear the words, depart from me. I never, heard, I never knew you. I heard you, but I don't know you. Let's look at I don't know you. If, you, if you're in your word, you'd have to turn to Amos. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Listen to what Amos said. Listen to this message that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel. Those are His people. Against the entire family I rescued from Egypt. From among all the families on the earth, I have been intimate with you alone. That is why I must punish you for all your sins. He says, I never knew you. He tells Amos to speak to Israel that I have been only intimate with you. That means he knows them. To know him means you are intimate with him. You hearing me, church? It's not enough to know of him. You have to know him and be known by him intimately. That is his desire. That is the heart of the Father and of the Son to have intimate relationship with their creation. You were created for relationship. You were created in his image. The only, other, the only thing created in his image. Every other creation is not in his image. To have relationship. And he wants intimate relationship. In the Old Testament, you see the, the presence of God the, the center of the temple was right smack dab in the center of the tribes. They had the tribes laid out, and the temple was right in the center. God is, it's always been God's heart to, to be the center of our lives, to be the center of our focus, to have intimate relationship with us. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, he made that extremely possible, intimate. Now we can come boldly into the throne room of grace. We can come right into like a little boy, Daddy, I love you. And there's no veil between us. There's no sin on us to stop us. There's nothing. We can come running into his presence. And, and he loved us so much, that's what he provided for us. That's good news. But the bad news is, if we are not in an intimate relationship, he will say, depart from me. In John chapter 15, verses 4 through 7, it's an awesome passage of Scripture. It's about the vine and the branches. Jesus' words again. Jesus says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. The fact that he says, remain in me, shows that there's a possibility to come out of him, to not be connected to him. And if we are not connected to him, we are not intimate. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. Man, that is good news. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How many knows that to be true? Apart from him, we can do nothing. The best we bring is filthiness and, and dirty righteousness. We, we bring nothing to the table apart from Him. But if we are remaining in Him and connected in Him, and church, let me show you how easy it is to be a Christian and to stay connected. It is truly, He's the vine, we're the branches. Our only job, if, if we can just get this in our mind, stay connected. Stay connected to the vine. The vine is the source of the nourishment. The vine is the source of water. The vine, the vine knows when you're supposed to produce fruit. The vine knows when you're supposed to put leaves on. Our only job is to remain in Him. He will remain in us, so are we stay connected. 
Now, we can disconnect ourselves. How many's done it? There's, there's, a, there's teaching that, oh, well, once you've been saved, that's it. I would love that to be so, but it's not. You have to remain in Him. Because apart from Him, you can do nothing. If you're not producing fruit, it says, every branch that doesn't produce fruit will be cut. You have to remain in Him. Remain in His love. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Anyone, listen to what it says, verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But, thank the Lord for this but, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Remain in him. Remain in him, church. Do not cut yourself off from him. Listen to him. And the remaining in him is truly obeying him. Aren't we puzzled because people can say the right things? They can preach the right things. And the Spirit will still warn us, no, don't follow them. Have you ever, have you ever found that? They can say the right things. A pastor or a minister can preach the right things. Hey, Brother Caleb. <laughs> But the Holy Spirit can still tell us there's something off. That's happened to me. That's happened to me a few years back with a good friend of mine. I'm not picking on pastors. I'm a pastor. But the reality is not every single pastor is right. There's, there's, we all have the ability to be connected and then not be connected. I'm going somewhere with this. I hope you understand. We could be very puzzled because people can say the right thing, preach the right thing, and the Spirit will warn us, no, no, don't follow. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I'll tell you flat out, if you see an area in my life and I'm not following Christ in it, then don't follow me in that area. If I'm not following Christ, that's when you detour. You get off on that exit quickly. I'm your shepherd. I'm your pastor. I love you. I'm going to follow Christ, and you should be able to follow me. But not, I don't trust nobody but Jesus. My life is in His hands. My salvation is in His hands. If there was anyone else, then, I, then he, the Word says that He came and died in vain. You trust the Lord with all your heart. You don't trust Steve with all your heart. I'm not saying that I'm not a trustworthy person. If there's anything good in me, it's Christ. But I didn't go to a cross and die for your sins. I wasn't divine enough to, to pay the price for your sins. There's only one, and his name's Jesus. So you follow him with all your, and you, and you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's no person on the planet that you love like that. There's no person on the planet that you trust in. In Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lead in your own understanding. See, my understanding says, well, they sound good. Or he's preaching the word. But the Holy Spirit knows the life. He knows the fruit. He knows the direction. He knows the beginning from the end. And the Holy Spirit can warn you, no, no, don't follow. Never trust the best man or woman you ever met. Trust only the Lord. We can follow people. I'm not saying that we can't follow people. But just like I said for me, we can only follow people as far as they've obeyed God. You hear me? You can only follow people as far as they've obeyed God. I'm going to give you a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Very wise man. He said this. He said, stand with anybody that stands right. Stand with him while he is right. And part with him when he goes wrong. Stand with anybody that stands right. And stand with him while he is right, but part with him when he goes wrong. Abraham Lincoln. That's wisdom right there. 1 John chapter 1, 5-7 through seven says this, This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now we declare to you. That's what we're to do. Declare the message that we've heard from Jesus, right? We declare the message that we read from Jesus. We share what we've heard from the Lord. Not just some word we make up. It says, we declare to you, God is light, 
and there's no darkness in him at all. Listen to this. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. I want to stop right there for a second. Do you hear the words? He says, we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God or intimacy or relationship with Him, but go on living in spiritual darkness. Is it possible? You can't have relationship with God and continue living in spiritual darkness because He's light and the darkness hates the light. I know when I was in darkness, I didn't want to come to church. I didn't want to come in contact with other Christians because there was light in them and the darkness that was in me hated the light. I don't think I was the only, only one like that. It says, we are not practicing the truth if we live that way. Practicing the truth. Practicing the truth. There's some action in that. How many, how many of you the first time you ever went golfing, you were like the amazing golfer the first time? A lot of sports I picked up pretty quick, and it was pretty decent at a lot of sports. Golf, that's the most frustrating thing. I don't know why you pay money to go do that. I mean, I haven't done it for probably 20 years because, well, I have more patience now than I did when I was younger. I, I might be able to enjoy it now. But I could hit a golf ball and a baseball really far, and I'd go hit this golf ball, and it would go like straight for about 200 yards. And then it would go whew, about 75 yards off course every time. Or you finally hit one straight, and then the next time you come up, oh, I would throw clubs, I'd get broke. I, I don't understand why we would want to go do that. But if you want to get good at something, you practice it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep putting in the time, and you get better and better. We are to practice the truth. We're to practice living in the light that way. We're not to practice living in dark. Amen? Verse 7 says, But if we are living in the light, as what? As God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. That's that intimacy. How do we have intimacy with God? By living in the light. What's that look like? It means we got to let the light of the word and the light of his truth ex- on us and expose us for what was really in us. It means we can't believe the, our own lies. We can't, we can't fool ourselves. We have to get in front of the... How many of you, when you get out of the shower, if you have a full-length mirror, you know that's the truth. <laughs> that mirror is the truth. The word of God is a mirror. You put yourself in front of this thing and it will, it will show you and expose you. And this isn't a bad thing. Like if I get up in the morning and I show up to the church and, and I got a big old booger, it would do me good to get in front of the mirror first and go, ooh, I better take care of that. Or get in front of the mirror and realize my shirt is purple and I'm wearing green. That ain't going to be good. You got to get in front of the mirror. You got to let the light expose the darkness. Amen? If we'll take that kind of care when we get dressed, how much more should we be taking care with our spiritual affairs? It says, but if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Come on. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen. But whenever we take our eyes off of Him, whenever we get our eyes off of Jesus, we get in trouble, don't we? When we get our eyes off of Christ, we begin to get, we stumble, we get in fear. This day and age, this is not a time to be living in fear. It's a time to be living in the light. It's a time to be walking in the truth. It's a time to have your eyes focused squarely on Christ. Because He's the truth. He's the way. He's the light. He's the life. He's the living water. He's the, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He knows it all. There's no darkness in Him. If there's ever a time we need to be focused on anything, it's focused on Him. Not focused on fear. That was good preaching. Thank you. If your faith in God, hear me church, if your faith, if you say, I have faith in God, if your faith in God has not changed the way you live, you're not following Christ. 
If your faith in God has not changed the way you live, then you're not following Christ. Because it is not possible. Salvation is radical. Resurrection is radical. When Jesus came out of the grave, it was radical. When Lazarus came out of the tomb, it is radical. It is death to life. It is not possible to follow Christ and not have a resurrection encounter where there's a radical change that happens. Now, I'm not saying that when you get saved, you're going to like be a, a perfect rock star Christian, whatever that is, where you can like, walk on water and, and you just point at things and they change and you uproot mountains and you tell things to happen. No, I'm not saying that. As a baby Christian, we're going to make messes. Just like our babies make messes and it's normal for them to make messes. And we don't beat them up and we don't spank them because they made a mess when they're babies. We clean them. We wipe them. We love them. But it ain't normal that 20-year-olds are still getting babied and wiped and nursed. We got to grow from the milk to the meat. That's natural. Amen? Come on, somebody. It ain't normal. It's normal when you follow Christ and you declare Jesus is Lord and you lay down that something radical happens. Your life changes. My life went so, so radically different. I no longer, like the, one of the first things I noticed is if I did cuss, I felt convicted. Another thing I noticed is I started caring for people. I started loving people instead of wanting to hurt people. Just things got weird. If I, heard, if I heard something on TV, it was like, whoa, that's not good. It was convicting. It was, that was Christ in me, and it's Christ in you. Things change when you come in, con in contact with Him. We can't just say, Lord, Lord, and not have an encounter with Christ that changes our lives. It's not just saying a prayer. It's believing in your heart and putting your faith and trust in the, the risen Savior and declaring that He is Lord of my life. 1 John 2, 1 through 6. Listen to John's heart. John walked. He's the beloved. He's the one that walked with Christ. He says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. Good news here. But if anyone does sin, you hear the words, but if anyone does. It's not even, but when you do. It's like, it's weird. It's not normal for you to do that. I'm writing this, dear children, so that you don't sin. But if you do... Thank you, Lord. We have an advocate. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sin, but the sin of all the world. And we can be sure, listen to, listen to me, we can be sure that we know him. We can be sure that we know Him. How, do we, how can we be sure? His Word says if we obey His commandments, that's how we can be sure we know Him. He goes on to say that if someone says and claims, it's that saying again, if someone claims and says, I know God, but doesn't obey His commandments, that person is a liar. These aren't my words. This is the Beloved's. You say, I know God, but doesn't obey His commandments. That person is a liar, and it says, and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. See, this is not complicated. It's remaining in Him. It's Christ who comes into this earth, put on humanity. His divinity put on humanity. And He went to a cross and died for our sins. We have an advocate. And we can live this new radical life that I'm talking about because He lives through us. It's not me just trying to muscle it up and be a good person and do my best. It's me surrendering to the resurrected Christ who lives in me and allowing Him to live out of me. See, I'm not relying on my own peace. My peace is up and down. I have peace and then something happens and I go, Woo! then I don't have it. 
I have faith. And then something happens and I go, Woo! I don't have it. That's mine. Now, when I'm in his, oh, but we're in good shape. When I'm in his peace, the storm can come. And I go, man, that's a big storm. But I know the God who can create that. And I know the God who can calm that. And I'm in good shape because he loves me. I'm his son. He's pretty fond of me. We're going to be okay. See, when I'm allowing his love, when I'm on my love, it's you've been good to me, I'll be good to you. You're not good to me, I don't like you no more. But when I'm in his love, allowing him to live through me and love through me, you can smack me across the face and I'll still say I love you. Now, don't test me on that yet because I don't know how saved I am yet. I'm still growing too. <laughs> right now, you can slap me. We'll see about tomorrow. <laughs> I'm growing. We're all growing. We should be able to look at our lives and say, I'm growing. I, and it's not possible to not grow in him if we're still connected to him. At any point we're not growing, there's a good chance we're not connected. That should shake us. If there's areas of our life, church, hear me, and we're not being obedient to, the Holy Spirit may be putting his finger on some things in your life. Not me. I'm not even going to name any of them. It's not my job to convict you. We know if he's been speaking to us about surrendering some stuff. And every one of us, that's a part of growth. It says those who are fruitful, he will go and prune, so we will become more fruitful. How many's had some pruning done in your life? Right? And we tell God, I want to be fruitful. I want to be like you. Well, get ready, buddy, for the clippers. He's going to come and say, Okay, you've been fruitful in this area. I need to do a little more trimming. And we go, wait a minute, Lord. I don't know if I want you trimming any more on me. Or we can go, Lord, trim away. Trim away. I'm closing up. If... Becca, could you come? I'm just play softly. We're going to take communion here in a minute. 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. I've been on a journey through John. Listen to the words he says. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. <laughs> There's no exemption from that. Everyone. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. So anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. Did you see the words there? Who continues to live in him? Who chooses to continue to live in him, I would say. There's a, there's a, we can surrender to continue to live in him or we can say, I don't want to follow that anymore. I don't want to be obedient to your word. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be that nut job that people might think I might be. I don't want to be the light in the darkness. I don't want to be the one that stands up when everyone else is sitting down. What's God calling you to do today? Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. There's that know him again. See, if you continue to keep in sin, you either don't know him or you really don't understand who he is because he is light. There's no sin in him. And I'm not judging you. This, this, is, this is the same word for me. It says everyone. John says again, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. I hope you hear me, church. I was not, I'll just be real, like I'm not super excited about preaching this message, especially when I heard there's going to be some other people from other churches here. And I'm like, oh boy, this is, this is going to be a doozy. Like it would be really cool to preach this, yay, cheerful, let's go take the ground message and this is just a reality that we're in the last days and, and it's... It was John's heart. He, he loved these people he was writing to. He said, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. It's my heart that the church will not be deceived. It's my heart that as the day of the Lord approaches, we got to be in the light, church. We got we to gotta let, and if there's any a time that we got to say, Lord, shine your light on me. Lord, put your finger on anything in my life that is not fruitful. And if you want it trimmed, please trim it. 
Lord, give me the, the wisdom to ask you to do that. God, give me the, the boldness to take the steps of action that you've already put your finger on. I know many of us, he's had his finger on some areas of our life and we haven't been willing to surrender. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. He goes on to say, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Yay! Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. Did you hear those words? Those that have been born into his family, those that have his divine DNA in them, do not practice sinning. Did you hear the words? You don't practice it. It doesn't mean you won't ever do something stupid. That's what I call it when I do it. I'm not calling anyone else stupid, but it's I, I live by kiss. Keep it simple, stupid, or keep it simple, Steve. Whatever I, but it's, that's how I live. And, and when I do things that aren't pleasing to the Lord, it's stupid to me. So don't be deceived. We're going to do some things here and there. And we have an advocate. Thank God we have an advocate. But we don't have to continue in that. We can grow. And the more we submit ourselves to the life of Christ in us, we will grow more like him. So what does it mean? He's saying you don't practice sinning. You may do something dumb, but there's a big difference between that and practicing it. You hear me? When you're practicing it, you are not his disciple. He is not with you. You are not connected. I hope you hear me. When you're practicing it, what does that look like? When you practice baseball, what's it look like? You go do it a few times a week. You have games. You get better at it. You're, if you're practicing sinning, you're improving, becoming more like, not your father, the king of kings, your father, the devil. You say, boy, that's harsh. That's what he said. Jesus told the Pharisees, the religious people, your father's the devil. Why? Because they were not obeying him. They didn't have relationship with him. They weren't intimate with him. It says, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. It, in the Greek, it's God's seed is in them. His seed is in us. We are His sons and daughters. His life is in us. His DNA is in us. His ability to... He is sinless, and that ability to be sinless is in us. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He's a conqueror. And that conquering spirit is in us. He is not defeated, so we do not have to be defeated. We have the power of Almighty God living inside of us. We can resist the devil. He can come and bring all these temptations. And if we are walking in the light with the Lord and we're in relationship with Him and we're feeding on Him, it is easy to resist. But when you're not in that relationship and you're not connected and you've been... You're going to fall. And it is not His will that you fall and it is not my will. Don't let anyone deceive you about this, dear children. This is John's heart. As a believer, God's life is in us so they can keep, they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers, John says, does not belong to him. Church, there's an engraving on a cathedral wall in Germany. Those that have the New Believer's Bible, which is what we're going through in the Pastor Linda's course in class. There's a passage in the scripture and there's this spot in that Bible. I wrote these things down. This cathedral wall in Germany says this, Thus, thus speaketh Christ our Lord to us. You call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and walk me not. 
You call me life and live me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. Don't we want to be the ones who say, Lord, I call you master and I obey you. Lord, I call you light and I see you and I walk in the light. Lord, I call you the way and I walk in that way. Lord, I call you life and I live in that life and I live your life through me. Lord, I call you wise and I follow you. Lord, I call you rich and I ask you. Lord, I call you eternal and I seek you. If we do those things, you will not hear depart from me. I never knew you. Now, I don't know what what shape you guys are in today. I'd love to believe that we are all right where we need to be. I also know that you're not here by accident. That every single one of us need to examine our life. We're going to take communion here, and that's even a part of communion. We don't don't share this part of communion very much anymore. And I'm going to jump past the, the regular order in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. We should always examine ourselves. We should always examine ourselves. We should examine ourselves daily. We should be looking in the mirror of the word daily and saying, Lord, if there's anything in me, Lord, that is not pleasing to you, please put your finger on it. We're to repent. We're to submit ourselves and humble ourselves to the Lord. It says when we do that, He will lift us up. He will lift us up. And I pray that this message wasn't beating anyone up. I pray that this message shines the light of God's hope and truth that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And apart from Him, we can do nothing. I don't want anyone to ever hear the words, Depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Because it's a whole one, another thing to say, Lord, Lord. It says, many will say that on that day. Many will say, Lord, did we not do these things? Lord, didn't we do these? Did, Lord, didn't we go to church? I went to church every Sunday. There's going to be people who are going to say those things. And if they didn't have an intimacy with them, and they didn't have a relationship with them, they'll hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And that is not my desire for anyone to hear. Any good pastor that he comes across that passage of Scripture, it grieves them to know that there could be people in their congregation that don't truly know them. So I want to take some time and pray for you today, and we're going to take communion together. Holy Spirit, examine my heart. Lord, look at my heart. Look at my life. Lord, I repent. Lord, I can tell you, just in this week, there's been many times, Lord, I haven't acted like you. I got frustrated out of my own flesh. There's been times, Lord, I've been fearful. I haven't trusted you. Lord, there's been times, Lord, and areas of my life that you have given me victory in, Lord, that I stumbled in. Lord, please forgive me. Can you say the same thing, church? This is what we're doing. We're examining ourselves. Let the Holy Spirit shine His light and ask Him to forgive you and repent. Thank God we have an advocate. His name is Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that your word tells us if we will humble ourselves... You will forgive us and lift us up. We thank you that in you there is no condemnation. We thank you. Lord, we know that one of these days, Lord, you are going to separate 
the sheep from the goats. And Lord, I want to be a sheep. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Your mercy is fresh every single morning because we need it every single day. We thank you for your grace, Lord. It teaches us and gives us the ability to not sin. We would not be able to do that without you. We are so grateful and thankful. You have equipped us with everything we need to be right with you. We truly are branches. We thank you that you provide all the nourishment, all the moisture, all the sap, all the leaves and fruit. We just stay connected. So Lord, let us see anything that would cause us to not be connected. It might look foolish to us, but Lord, put your finger on it even right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you have your communion, let's get it out. This is what Paul wrote. He said, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with, the, with my blood. Do this and remembrance me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So we're announcing the Lord's death. We're saying, Lord, what you did for us is more than enough. There will never need to be anything else done for our salvation. We announce what Jesus did by going to the cross, despising the shame, taking my sin, my guilt, my shame, and having it paid for and atoned for at the cross. We say, though, it, it was enough and we put our faith and our trust in what you did, Jesus. And we thank you for cleansing us from all unrighteousness, for making us white as snow. So, Lord, we take the bread and we declare that by your stripes we are healed. Your word said in Isaiah that you were beaten and bruised for us. And by your stripes we are healed. We thank you for that beating. We thank you for your body being torn to pieces so that ours would not have to be. Let's receive the bread. We take the cup. We say thank you, Jesus, for spilling your blood for me. For being the perfect sacrifice, holy, because I was not. I thank you for your blood that cleanses me from all sin and makes me holy and righteous in right standing with you. Lord, we thank you that we can come and ask for forgiveness and declare you as Lord and we are saved. We thank you that you've given us that ability. We thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to live in us through the, through the Holy Spirit and give us that ability to walk holy and worthy. We thank you for your blood, Jesus. We thank you for it. What could wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It was more than enough, Jesus. Let's drink. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I thank you, church, for coming together. I pray that this message, I know it challenged you, but I pray that it's received in the spirit that has been given. I'm not standing here as someone who thinks I'm better than anyone else. I'm not standing here as someone who's not in the same boat as you are. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm perfect. 
but it does mean that that I am going to stand before God one day and give a, an account for every word that I've ever preached. And as these days get shorter, I don't want anyone to be deceived. I don't want anyone to be lost. I don't want anyone. And if we are believers and Christ lives on us, we don't want to see when we go out in the public and we see people that, that don't have Christ in their life, we see those fruits, it should grieve us. We should want to share our faith. We should want to share the hope that we have. And there's no hope outside of Christ. Many of us lived outside of Christ, and we know that to be true. There's no hope outside of Him. So I encourage you and challenge you to share your faith. Be bolder than you've ever been before. Let your light so shine before men that they see your Father's good works and bring Him glory. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. You can go out. Listen up. Those of you on this side, you can go out that way and you can go out to the highway. Just follow that gravel out. If you're on this side, you can circle around and go out that exit, okay? Keep, it, keep posted. More than likely, we will do this again next, next Sunday.